Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Today's Thursday, November 2nd. I'm Jeff O'Neill, here with Rebecca Shinsky, coming to you from bookriot.com. Rebecca, you were flying with our fellow BR editors last week while I was... I don't. I haven't had a chance to listen to the show. Did you tell people I was in New York doing publishing meetings for five days in a row? Did people know I, I was honestly- out there... Don't remember happen? what okay. I said. I think I was just like, Jeff's not here. I'm hanging mm. with Jen and Kelly. Frankly, I was just trying to get to the second se- segment so Kelly I hear and I could talk about Britney Spears. I know, I know, I know. Well, the, the reason I say that is because maybe I could do a little top level, like here, here's what birdies have said and yes, here's what the I vibe mean, is in the world of publishing. The um, people be- love a birdie vibe check. Because sometimes it sounds like we're only speculating about the world of books and reading, and that can be true, but sometimes we actually do know things, and we've talked yes. to people, and we've been we've been into the belly of the various publishing beasts there. So I think I'll do a little recap there in a minute. Um, we moved our Patreon schedule around a little bit because Rebecca wrote for The Deep Dive, one of our newsletters, um, 12 Things Rebecca Learned in 12 Years at Book Riot, which published while I was away, and you told me that you had pub- you, you put it on our Patreon, just a link, you might check this out. And I don't think that's enough, Rebecca, because it's a really good okay. piece by Thank itself. You. you did a very nice job with it. And I want to talk about it some more. And I think people okay. find it interesting Let's to hear it. us talk about what has gone in and what we've learned and nuts and bolts of how it goes. So that will be the next Patreon episode. And that means we're pushing back our discussion of Let Us Descend by Jesmyn Ward a week on the Patreon episode. Full disclosure, this may or may not be, I don't have the emotional wherewithal to to engage with that without Ooh. breaking down right now, I need to, I need to steal myself. It is a tough hang, and I mean mm-hmm. it's about slavery and it's unflinching. So, good. what do you expect? But it's very good, it's bracing. Um, but again, I think we and also give people another week to read it because, as you rightly pointed out, and I see you did talk about in the agenda, as Rebecca was right, and it was indeed Oprah's mm-hmm. next book pick. I got to um, take a nice victory lap on that. There one. you go. Very well done. And my my copy came in the mail with the Oprah sticker printed on it. Mine I don't know if you talked about well. that as well last week on the show. So that is a degree of let's call it foreknowledge that okay. we don't often see. They knew um, when they when they know. Did you did did the Covenant of Water have a sticker printed on? Was it part of the cover? Oh, you know what? You, I you don't were in a galley. I had I read a digital galley because oh, okay. that book was such a beast, but I do have a hardcover copy. I mm. received the hardcover in advance of publication, though, so mm. I'm sh- I'm sure it does not have the Oprah sticker. Yeah, it's yeah. You but you had a hardcover in advance of publication. Yes, because you know sometimes the publishers like if they send you a paper galley, they all they follow it up with a hardcover. No, no, basically. I know. Yeah. Yes, I'm just wondering at to. what point the cover for the hardcovers are finalized because by the time mm-hmm. you're making the hardcover, like, I don't know, I'm just curious. If, if yeah, it gets to that stage where reviewers are getting a hard, finished copy, 
is there another version of the cover that can have the Oprah sticker printed on it? I, I just don't know the timelines about how that's done. Yeah, I think usually it's the sticker game at that yep. point. Um, and they don't want reviewers like us to get finished copies oh, that have the Oprah sticker before the Oprah thing has been revealed. Cause distraction so, covers, show title. Yes. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting to see there. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking about those things. Ward, 12 things. We're getting the news of the week. Before that, let's do our first sponsor break. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Uh, boy, you know, as the as the new releases, we have a couple of good release weeks. The most recent edition of, of first edition that we just recorded, which will come out, it'll be by, out by the time people are hearing this, we did the November It Book Knockout Round, which was the softest lineup we've done, not expected mm-hmm. for November. But really after, I guess there's a couple of books that come out the week of Thanksgiving and the week after, you know, some gift books that are still coming out. But once you hit December 7th, things really fall off a cliff. But it does get much quieter. what happens is we start to get best books of the year lists. Um, really in earnest, really, I guess, October 30th or 1st, we saw it the first, or mid-October, I guess, is the first. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, kind of like when Mariah releases the video of her singing All I Want for Christmas for You, <laughs> Publishers Weekly releasing their best books, of, that is that is what signals the season for me. I agree. I, I don't, um, some people get there earlier, but they're early enough and definitive enough and interesting enough that that's the first one I... I I tend to pay attention. We'll get into that a little bit, but I think the real big news of the week is following upon you and Kelly talking about Brittany's book, how many people are reading and buying it. And I guess before we talk about the numbers specifically, knowing that you have the numbers in front of you now, mm-hmm. did it perform, underperform, overperform your relative sense of where The Woman and Me was going to fall relative to other you know, big memoirs of this year, but the last few years? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it fell right about what I expected. Um, yeah. Without getting terribly specific, I, you know, it wasn't quite as big of a release as Prince Harry, mm-hmm. and that seemed right to me. Big, but not as big as the Royals. Um, yeah, I think it's about right. It, it, I wasn't, my eyebrows did nothing when I right. saw this number. There you go. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, that's the scans. I, I have no real questions about it. I know last week Brittany had said in an Instagram post that it was the best selling celebrity memoir. And there was some like, well, we've got to wait and see what the yeah. actual sales numbers look like before we get there. Um, very glad to see it for her. But yeah, I wasn't terribly surprised in, in any direction about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it slotted below spare and then. Um, becoming by Michelle Obama in terms of first week mm-hmm. sales, but then ahead of anything else that's come out recently. Yeah, one point wow. one million copies across all formats. Yeah, that's a, that, that's it's a, a lot. big, and big number. The I knew this was a big deal. You know, out in pop culture, you know that people care about Britney, but it really has come home to me just seeing the unexpected places this has popped up in my Instagram feed. Mm. Like three Peloton instructors did an Instagram live together just to process their feelings about it. (laughs) Or they are doing one. I saw this this morning and I was like, oh, wow, this is where we're at. (laughs) 
Like, well, every yeah, and everybody's just like, I got Britney feelings. I need to talk about them. Let's do it together. When you sell a million copies in a week, that means people who don't normally talk about yeah, books are going to be talking right. about that. I mean, yes. this is natural extension of that you're just, happening. You're so having it, a it pop-up sense. book club, right? Yeah. It, I, mm-hmm. I was thinking it would have been fun to like be in an airport last week and look around and see how many people were reading Britney. Because it did about 400,000 of the 1.1 million were in hardcover. So there's, you know, not a non not a zero chance you're going to see people reading it out in the world. Um, I will be in airports this coming weekend and I'm going to be looking for yep. Britney Spears. I was in airports and I didn't see a lot, but I okay. I don't know. I was flying kind of around it, so I'm not really sure what to happen there. Um, though, having said that, the audiobook is overperforming, <laughs> not surprising. The Man, Michelle Williams so narration, the snippet of her impersonating Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Truly spectacular. I, you do not share, you do not see clips of audiobooks get shared like that clips no, got shared. No. The only, like, the closest thing I have to any reaction to that is that is like Ryan Gosling and Barbie going, Sublime! <laughs> like, it's just. Sublime! It's perfect. Um, it's so perfect. And I would very much like to see the outtakes. Like, how many takes oh, of that gosh. did Michelle Williams do? <laughs> Uh, very interesting to see. Did you, again, I'm so sorry, you can tell me to, to wave me off. Did you all talk mm-hmm. about the discourse around the ghostwriting of the Spears book we last didn't. week at that all? That hadn't okay. really kicked up yet um, by the time yeah. Kelly and I were talking. The book had only been out for like two days when we recorded. And I am not sure I've ever seen a piece like there was the one in the Times. I'll try to find mm-hmm. it to put in the show yeah, notes talking about on deep background. And it's not... It, the ghostwriters, I don't think, were the sources here, though I don't know the the Kremlinology of attribution show title about how these things work, because <laughs> they might have, of how this got made. Um, Ada Calhoun, who is a, a memoirist and novelist in her own right, I guess took the first pass at it. Mm-hmm. Um, the reporting from the New York Times was that Brittany or her team didn't feel like it sounded like her enough, mm-hmm. so they brought in someone else to do another polish I have never seen this level of detail about a celebrity ghostwriting experience. I'm given to understand that there was also some discussion in the readership about, wait, is this does this sound like Britney to mm. to any? So I don't know if there was undue interest or someone wanted to say something. I am not sure. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I, I don't think it changes my prior about how much help these folks get on their books. It makes a ton of sense to me. Oh, totally. Britney is not a memoir. I mean... This is hard to do, um, extremely hard to do, and you need some help. It sounds like she went away for a while and spent a few, maybe longer than a few weeks on Maui writing. And I'm not, you know, I doubt she was writing directly into Scrivener that she sent directly <laughs> to the editor. I think, I don't know what people thought happened here. So this is well within my yeah. expectation. Um, the thing I've been thinking the, about with it is I think we should just have more conversation and normalization of the fact that celebrities are almost always are using ghostwriters. Like that's just, it's part of the deal. Also, these are busy people. That same piece in the Times makes a point about like, did you think Michelle Obama had enough time to sit down and write two 300 page memoirs? Like, all by her lonesome. <laughs> and she's, you know, a very educated person and probably yeah. a pretty good writer. Um, but it's a different skill set, especially in Britney's case, where you're telling very hard stories yes. from your life. Getting those things out is enough work. Having someone who can help you organize them into something a little bit more artful is a very helpful thing for the reader's experience of it. And like 
it doesn't need to be a secret. I've appreciated the yeah. very few times that I've listened to memoirs and they've just said like, and thank you so much to our co-writer, whoever, who, yeah. you know, listened to our stories and helped us make sense of stuff. Like, you, I don't know if we need to go to the place of like The Woman and Me by Britney Spears with Ada Calhoun and whoever else on yeah. the cover. But like overt acknowledgement of that work would seem valuable and important to me for for a lot of reasons. And if for nothing else than just to teach readers, this is part of the deal. Like mm-hmm. a celebrity hasn't cheated in some way or no. done you dirty as a reader. If they're working with a, a ghostwriter or a co-writer, that's actually, I think, quite a favor to the reading yes. experience. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, to be honest, my Bayesian prior for any celebrity memoir is that yeah. a ghostwriter came and interviewed them for a week and then went yes. away and came back with a draft and then they started talking about the... I mean, that's my prior. And yeah, that's just what I kind of assume happened. Me too. Something like the same kind of hang that you'd be doing if you were getting a big New Yorker profile. Pro- exactly. But right. it's hang with this person for a week or for a couple weeks at different times, turn it into a book instead of, you know, a mm. 10,000 word thing. So the numbers are what they are. The audiobook is over-indexing. Um, and I, I guess to distinguish from the, the ones above it, and I, I'm trying out a take, not a take, but I'm trying out a thought on you. It's almost a different class of celebrity memoirs because Britney hasn't been culturally relevant other than that she used to be culturally relevant for, what, 15 years longer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is kind of remarkable. Right. I mean, things have happened. There's, she's been in the news as you know her conservatorship and her own um, journey with mental health and trying to get to a place where she can even write or even or participate in the telling yes. of her story in a formal way. The, and it goes back to our discussion that we had on first edition about Barbara Streisand's memoir coming out. I'm not sure the last time Barbara Streisand was relevant in a way that, say, Prince Harry was relevant or Michelle Obama's relevant. Like, this is deep. Mining deep wells of I don't you do you mine wells you tap wells is nostalgia, <laughs> um, right? I mean, and and, and yeah. historical affection and interest in well, someone in a way that is a little unusual for something that sold this many copies. It's the it's a really potent com- combination of those deep wells of nostalgia, but also a real rewriting of our understanding of yeah, a there's a story that's unknown yes you know. moment of pop culture like that's i think the most interesting thing about the book is very little of it is about the britney spears public <laughs> recording career. baby one more time you know exactly. when she's 17 like, yeah. exactly like you get a few mentions of the things she was in the studio recording or becoming a fixture on Total Request Live on MTV or those kinds of things. But mostly that stuff happens in the background and the foreground is all of the absolutely bananas abusive stuff that was going on with her parents and the way that they treated her from the time that she was a young girl when it was becoming apparent that she had talent and that they could capitalize on it. And like that is the story. But it was certainly not the story in like 1997. And having her be able to tell it from her own perspective, and if you lived through that time period, having being able to be like, oh yeah, I remember when this happened. Or the one that really got me was when she was talking about the like the night that she shaved her head and it was all over yeah. the tabloids that like Britney has lost it. Yeah. She, it's 2006 and I started thinking about like, what else are we doing in 2006? Oh, we didn't even have iPhones then. Didn't. I know. <laughs> You know, just how much she's recasting what we thought we understood about things. And and I think it feels, I didn't read the Prince Harry book, so I don't know for sure, but it feels to me like it has a 
a different agenda than mm. Prince Harry's did, where Britney seems very intent on just, I finally got my voice back. I want to tell the story my way. But she could have really gone in on a lot of people, a mu- like much more yeah. than she did. She could have ruined lives with this book, I think. Um, and there's, you know, some not great stuff about some of the men that she was involved with, but I assume that there are a lot more things she chose not to say, where it seems like Prince Harry came out swinging, like he's looking to Had some recast. beefs to yeah, yeah, like, air. Yeah, to, right, to, to air the beefs and try to like really make like systemic changes to the way the world thinks about mm. British aristocracy. And Britney doesn't seem super concerned about that she's not trying to ruin anybody else's life just because hers has been ruined um, or large chunks of hers were ruined. And I think that matters too. It, it didn't feel somebody messaged me and was like, is it cringy the way that reading Prince Harry's book was cringy? And was like, mm. I don't know. I didn't read Prince Harry's yeah. book, but I understand what you're asking. And I yes. don't think Britney's is. The other thing that struck me too. And again, I, I don't know if it's relevant or not, but it did strike me that, you know, Matthew Perry passed away the last week mm-hmm. and he did have his memoir come out, Gosh, you know, last that was year. A great memoir. Very good memoir. And it's mm-hmm. a public person, not not on the scale of Britney's public struggles, but it was known, right? It was known right. even in the filming that you could tell in season four that he was doing something that has radically changed his body multiple directions mm-hmm. over time. And then in the the reunion, which was a fascinating cultural document in itself, you know, talk openly, but he got his story out there and it felt like it did something for him. And it certainly Mm -hmm. did for something, how people understand him. And then in the reaction to him passing, A, it it, it doesn't surprise me in hindsight, but I don't think I would have guessed the outpouring of affection for Matthew Mm -hmm. Perry that I've been seeing Mm -hmm. that frankly, I even felt, and I determined not to have this. Um, but I think that his story was out there was part of it. It was part of his mm-hmm. own story and then part of people's understanding and empathy and I guess a certain kind of, I don't know, a, a definitive, we get it. You said it and we get it and closure maybe in a weird way. It seemed like that provided some closure. I don't know how Brittany is feeling today about closure. I don't think Spare was a document of closure, if that's another no. way of putting together what you were um, yeah, I articulating think that's an there. interesting way to put it. And with both the Matthew Perry and Britney's memoir, I think it, it is very humanizing of these people who were so famous mm-hmm. and so much in the public eye that they can become just kind of objects. You can yes. forget that this is just a person. You know, like at the moment that Britney Spears is shaving her head, she's a person who is in her early 20s, who has young, young children that her partner is not letting her see. She is having a terrible mental health crisis. And we knew none of those things. And the paparazzi knew, I think, very few of those things. And they were telling a particular story and really having the grounding of being able to see this whole person. And that they have then the, the power back to tell their story and have that agency like I thought about you a couple times while I was Mm. listening to the Britney memoir because we had talked about like is Britney okay there's some kind of wacky stuff happening on her Instagram and she actually addresses it overtly in the book and says I know I do weird stuff on Instagram but I'm just so glad to like have my Instagram back and have Mm. my freedom and be able to express myself and be able to enjoy my body and you know wear the clothes that I want to wear that like I'm just doing me and in a lot of ways there's like an arrested development thing going yeah. on of she hasn't been free yeah for like half of her life it's like pop pop diva room springer 
um, yes, for her yeah, there yes. and to some degree. Boy, the show titles Pop are Diva m- Room Springer. Manifold That's a really, today. <laughs> really excellent work there. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do a little more news before we get out into the. I mean, the Publishers Weekly list is news, but I think there's a little more meat on the bone there. I want to move down mm-hmm. the line. Fourth Wing Adaptation wrote about. I don't think. I just had not thought about the adaptation future of Fourth Wing. I don't know why. Mm. I, I hadn't even, I hadn't discounted it, hadn't considered it. Usually things take longer in a cycle to get picked up for adaptation. There's also the writers and actor strike, so I didn't have a sense of what development deals were getting done. Also, the streaming dollars aren't what they once were. Yes. And this is going to be, or at least done well, I think, a Game of Thrones level expense <laughs> mm-hmm. initiative here. You've got dragons and high fantasy and to make it look good and not cheesy, which I think is the the level you want to hit at here, you need serious dollars. And I think there's only two companies still hitting in this space right now, and I think they're Amazon and Apple. And the yes. reason that is because they have other revenue streams that are still subsidizing. They don't have to pencil out um, on an item-by-item item basis like the real streamers do, where that's their core business. You know, Amazon has a trillion dollars, and so does Apple. And... I keep remembering, and I wrote about this in today's books, that Jeff Bezos said he wanted a Game of Thrones, and that <laughs> came out in the run-up to Wheel of Time. And Wheel of Time is successful. Like, it's got multiple seasons, and I think there's even going to be a third, and it seems to be well-regarded. But Games of Thrones, it is not. And it did not have as many dragons, and it was not as horny as Game of Thrones. And let me tell you something about <laughs> fourth-wing people. Tell me, Jeff. Those will not be issues for, those those will not be the difference, the Delta items from Game of Thrones. It will be different in both cases, but that will yeah. not be the difference. You have described these books as dragon writers who do it. And frankly, yes. I think that Amazon should just take that as the tagline. I, I think so. Um, now, what appetite Amazon has for spice level is extraordinarily interesting. Um, how much this will cost is interesting. This is the bookish phenomenon of the year. Is it a cultural phenomenon? I am not sure at this point. It has sold a lot, a lot, a lot, but I still feel like I can, you're not going to see a Saturday Night Live sketch about Fourth Wing. That's mm-hmm. that's the difference to me. Right. And it's not been around for a million years. Um, the book clubs don't pick it up. It is extraordinarily popular in the pocket it's in, and it continues to sell very well. Iron Flame coming out. Um, a nugget I've heard is that there are problems getting enough copies to bookstores to serve all the pre-orders. I have seen late. that as well, yes. And I know from speaking to the folks at Red Tower that they've really worked on operations. That suggests to me that demand is still outstripping maybe what they thought. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. They could also have other problems that are you know not about demand. But at the very least, there's a good chance that not everyone who wants Fourth Wing can get it in the week it's available. And there is zero other books you can say that about right now. Yeah. Having said that, I don't know that if I'm writing checks at Amazon, I'm picking up Fourth Wing. I don't. I just. Don't, I just don't know where we are, Rebecca. Where you know, are you? What do you think? Yeah, the point you made when you wrote about this in Today in Books that I think is most salient is that it takes a long time to make TV, mm-hmm. and Fourth Wing and Iron Flame are these are primarily TikTok sensations. This is yep. being driven by social media conversation. Right. So if they could, I don't know, like 
wiggle their noses like the woman on Bewitched and produce this TV show next week, I'm sure Amazon would have a massive hit. But because it seems like it's going to have to be a giant undertaking with a lot of technology and special effects and not to mention a lot of money. When when will we see this? 2025? And we're hoping that in 2025, 2026 folks who cared about fourth wing in mid 2023 are still on that train like social media just moves yeah a lot faster um i've been thinking about this too because the colleen hoover adaptation that mm. movie you know is still not out yet and colleen hoover has fallen right off the best and there are no lists. dragons to cgi the heck out of in that thing. <laughs> right there's just Blake taking Lively some real liberties probably be <laughs> trying better. to look a decade younger yeah. um that's my big question here like how long will readers attachment and interest to these books be durable and will it last until the show comes out because like that was one thing game of thrones had going for it is that the series isn't done yet so you could be mid-series and still going and very invested it had been going for many many years by the time the show came out folks had built up like there was real evidence that readers attachment to that series was enduring and long term I I don't know. It's a big bet to make on any of the books that are primarily driven to fame by social media. Yeah. On the other hand, if you've got a pile of money you need to turn into streaming shows to try Mm -hmm. to break out, I'm not sure what else I'm drafting ahead of it. Yeah. And you get to look like you're paying attention and making smart bets on the things that people are interested in right now, because this is the smartest bet. If if you've got to go decide what to adapt... The big thing on TikTok that's been selling bajillions of copies of books is is like the best bet mm-hmm. that you can make. You mm-hmm. don't have to. It already has name ID. You don't have to teach anybody who's in your target audience for this what Fourth Wing is. Also, dragons sell. I mean, dragons yeah. sell themselves. Like, I mean, you don't need to do like if there's a bunch of cool looking dragons and hot people undressing each other with their eyes in the trailer. <laughs> like, it's going to be what's on the tin. Right. You know. That's, I think that's part of the appeal is that like the content, the actual reading experience itself is sufficiently compelling that you don't need to know much about the lore. Like that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like something you know, that's super heavy to, to get yeah, into. Yeah, we've been having that conversation in my house because Bob is making his way through the Apple adaptation of Foundation. Oh, okay. And, good and he's good like, job, Bob. He's like, it's kind of a mess, but you know, we're in a little bit of a TV desert. And uh-huh. also... It's, it's, you know, really fundamental sci-fi, but nobody told him how horny it was. And he's oh. like, this should be, that should be on the tin more. <laughs> like, he hadn't read the Asimov. So Putting he does, the and ass I in Asimov. Okay. <laughs> right, I right. So, so he doesn't know, like, how horny the books are or not. Um, they are I not don't horny. either. Okay, well, yeah. the show, from just the little bits that I have picked up, they are utilizing Lee Pace, which oh, is a, well, a smart let's choice. Listen. <laughs> When you have a clarinet, you play take five. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. It's a great choice. Like, I am not leaving the room when I happen to pass through, and that's what's happening. Right. But we were talking about, like, this. the marketing of this looked, the marketing of Foundation looked a lot more like, hey, sci-fi fans, mm-hmm. come see this adaptation of Foundation. And Bob was just like, that was the wrong choice. They made the wrong well, choice here. Well, Jared Harris is many things, but you're not like, wow, this is going to be spicy when you see him lecturing about, like, you know... galactic probability (laughs) right yeah yeah you're not like i wonder when we're going to get our kid off when we're talking about this (laughs) at some point 
pretty interesting <laughs> stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see. I guess I when I saw, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, mm-hmm. it it yep. and it makes sense. It doesn't seem to be particularly surprising in either direction. Um, I guess if I pause right here to do this, is a good place to insert a little of Jeff's learnings from his wanderings among the publishing industry last yes, week. Yes, please. So one thing that the Imperian we're going to have a Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones problem with this series already because mm-hmm. I keep mm-hmm. calling it the... I, it's not the fourth wing, it's fourth wing. So the... Damn it. Is it the fourth wing series? You wouldn't say the the fourth wing series. Anyway, about this whole enterprise, they have done is that books one and two came out in the, the same calendar year. And the next... There's five books total. They are all sketched out is my understanding. And they're going to come out... We're not going to be waiting 12 years is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Not just for one book, George. We love you. I hope everything's going great. Um, but they will all be done in basically three years, if all goes according to plan. Smart. And so they don't have to wait on that. But this strategy for romanticy series is coming to a book publisher near you. Of We already have two in the can. It's going to yeah. be five. They're plotted out. Um, I'll even heard of one series that's going to have 18 installments Whoa. And each one will be written by a different author so that they can what? be working on them in sequence. That's wild. I'm not sure I have um, ability to say what those things are yet, but when it comes out, we'll talk more about it because I think it's interesting just, you know, just so you're not getting the three years. You, you strike while the yeah. iron is hot and you strike it, and then striking the iron while it is hot keeps the iron hot for the next strike. Yes. Right? Yes. And, the, and that's coming to a, a, a bookstore near you. Um, O'Neill's Razor is just so happy. It's never been happier, O'Neill's Razor, with this, even though these aren't series for me, but O'Neill's Razor approves. The other thing is romanticy is coming from every direction, from publishers you wouldn't expect, on timelines timeline sooner than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. They are going to try to make fetch happen when it comes to <laughs> romanticy. And I have zero sense of the addressable market for on this much romanticy because it's not just one they're series right and not they're long mm-hmm. there's 600 the the uh, iron flame is 640 pages i mean i think that's part of the appeal it's like these are you know you get lost in these worlds and they're really escapist and and um entrancing and enveloping but there's going to be a lot of these and there's going to be a lot that people pay a lot of money for that go nowhere the over under on other hits for me is one half I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think about that over-under? Are we going to get one more fourth-wing-level romanticy series? I think you get zero more. Zero this more. Is, it's when have we ever the, gotten one when we have right. one of these? When have we ever gotten one more? One like more. I, One of the things I wrote about in the 12 things I've learned in 12 years of book ride is like, you really cannot make the lightning strike twice we are still waiting for the next harry potter publishers have been advertising the next gone girl for more than a decade now and the one that came closest to it was the girl on the train which only got as big as it did because of a big goodreads review not because of how it was marketed yeah it's i i totally understand why they make this move i think romanticy might be a slightly different beast like it might be more likely to have more mm. likely than zero, but still less than half to have a big hit because there was already an appetite for this. Romance and fantasy have been big things for a long time. I, this to me looks like the publishing industry sort of finally paying attention to the fact that women read books. 
Yeah. Like that this is a, a big thing with female readership. It is smart to keep them coming so close together because that was one of the things that I think extended the Colleen Hoover Mm. launch on TikTok was if you read one, there were like 18 more that mm-hmm. you could pick up and keep talking about. And so if you don't have to wait a long time in between releases of these romanticy series, that presents less fallow time that's an opportunity for something else, for some other trend or some other offer, author to take over. But I think the expectation is that none of them will be the next. There might be some that sell well, that like folks who finish the what five book um, series by mm-hmm. Rebecca Yaros, when they're looking for something else or they're in between, they might reach for another one. But our baseline expectation should be that like once there's been a huge one, nothing gets that big again. It'll be the yeah. next thing will be the next thing and it'll be a big thing we didn't see coming. And the Sarah J. Moss phenomenon, you could argue we've already have two of these, right? Because it's not dragons, but it is fantasy romance with a spice level heretofore unexplored. It, it really big five publishing, if we're honest. Like, in, in, you know, um, again, there's imprints and what have you, but I'm, I'm just saying sort of in a commercial appeal, a mass market commercial appeal. So maybe there have been two. I mean, I guess, do you count the Allegiant stuff after Hunger Games? I guess there's maybe you could count two there. Does it have to be as big as the second one for some of these to be successful enough on their own? Maybe not. Right. That's an important point. Like, It's not a failure if the next Romanticy series isn't as big as Rebecca Yaros. It depends on what you paid for it, but yeah. Right. Let's moderate our expectations. There will probably be some success stories coming Mm -hmm. out of this, but you know, this one is the big one. And in a year, we'll be talking about a bunch of deals that have been made on whatever the the new big thing yeah. is that no one predicted, because that's how Zeitgeist works. And, and I don't get the sense that publishing, this is capital P publishing, I'm aggregating it. You know, it's like Jonah Hill's mm-hmm. character in Moneyball. It's sort of a yeah. composite of several different people I'm doing here. I don't get the sense on the whole that publishing thinks that's what's going to happen. I think there's a couple things. One is, well, if if we moneyball it, I guess to expend the money, mm-hmm. if we pay the right amount, it doesn't have to be a home run. If we just get on base, that's fine. Um, there's a lot of getting on base in these, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> the The next thing is, I am not sure how thrilled publishing is to do this. I mm. think because they just don't know that's going to work. And a couple things I said in this room is like, when are we going to be stop stop being surprised when there's an out of nowhere giant bestseller that's a romance and B has a fantasy element? Mm-hmm. Like we've done Twilight before, we did Hunger Games before. Like that has a that's a that's a love triangle. I think is a core to what makes that thing tick. So when are we? And then when are we going to stop being surprised by romance in the form of Colleen Hoover, E.L. Yes. James? So there's a part of this is like, duh. Maybe the specific manifestation is going to catch us off guard, but the underlying truth is that romance that captures the imagination largely of of women, and largely of women of a certain age, because those are the people who Mm -hmm. buy books, you can strike, there's oil to be struck there if you do it right. When are we going to stop being like, wow, I can't believe this? (laughs) Maybe we should be saying is, wow, oh, oh, it's this one this time. Mm -hmm, It's this particular mm -hmm. flavor, this Mm -hmm. particular wrinkle this time. I think that's right. So there's a couple of things. So romanticies in these series where the books are lined up and you're not going to be Rothfussing or um, or Martining um, into the into the ether. Man, um, you're in trouble when your last name has been turned into a verb because we're waiting for your next book to come out. I'm so, I, I don't know what to say, man. I'm, I'm not sure what to say. Um, okay, let's do another sponsor break. 
All right. What do you want to hit next? How are we doing on time? Oh, we're pretty into it. Should we do the, we'll do um, the PW and then maybe a couple of recent reading will be done. How about sure. That? that sounds good. Yeah. All right. Uh, PW. Um, un- I love PW's list. PW is Me great. Um, having said that, they, they decided to keep their UI uh, for... <laughs> From 1996. Last- it is not ideal um, <laughs> because there's just, too, there's just too much. I don't know. But we're going to dive into the top 10. They have just overall top 10 and they break mm-hmm. it down in like 15 different ways, which is very cool because um, you can dive in. Yeah, and I will say, if you click on this link to the top 10, yep. and then you're like, how do I get to the other ones? That gray bar across the top of the website that looks like it's just the top nav bar, you yeah. know, where you would normally go to different sections, that's the thing. You click fiction, and it'll take you to the top fiction of 2023. Yep. You, you click mystery thriller, and it will take you there. And let me tell you, friends... I know this because I have this problem every year and every year this top 10 list comes out and I cannot figure out how to navigate it. Kelly and I went through this, like went through this year's version of the routine a couple days ago where I was like, how did you find it? Oh, right. Yes. So if you're lost, let us just, let's just prevent yeah. getting lost there. Click, click your way across. Those are all lists. <laughs> Someone at GeoCities really did a great job with this nav bar <laughs> is what I've got to say in 1999. <laughs> the top oh, 10. Boy. Um, I was reminded of why I both like Publishers Weekly list, but then remember why it's a Publishers Weekly list. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, I would say a grand total of zero of the things I would have guessed are on here on here. Not that I'm surprised, for example. I'm not surprised to see Biography of X or Country mm-hmm. of the Blind, which were the, I think, are they the first two in the... They are the first two. Yeah, the yes. first two. And I think that's alphabetical. So it just so happens that those are ones I've talked about on the show mm-hmm. and that I've read. I think there's only two of the 10 that I've read. Yeah. Because I, I remember they got starred reviews and it'd be unusual. And I pay attention to that because it helps me do a little filtering and what to talk about for it books in my own reading. But I wouldn't say any of these are, are particular. What's the highest profile book on this? How about that? Yeah, I think it's Country of the Blind. That's the only one that I I've think seen. so, because it, it was on Ezra Klein and Mark Maron, right? I mean, right. Catherine yes. Lacey wasn't on any of those kinds of shows. Right, yeah. He's been in and like mainstream coverage in just like general media, not book media. And this is the double-edged sword of the Publishers Weekly list yep. that you're getting at is it's wonderfully idiosyncratic. It is definitely a book list for people who do like book criticism primarily Mm -hmm. Um, or people who are professionally thinking about this is a it's a it's always weird there are always some things on it that I've never heard of which is interesting and fun and surprising there are always some things that you're like oh that was that's a kind of a wild out of left field choice I love that they do this this is not a list and I think they can they can do it because this is not a list that's intended for like the reading public's consumption. My mother-in-law is not using it to figure out what book to buy her sister for Christmas, but this is to help booksellers and librarians, you know, figure out what to stock going into the holidays or maybe redirect people. And I kind of love that they're like, here are some weirdo books you can give people that they've never heard of before. Um, It's always, it it is always just, you know, kind of like, okay, I'll find some things here that I probably wouldn't have picked up otherwise if they make the cut to the PW top 10. But you do have to know what animal it is that you're dealing with and they're not terribly concerned about is this going to be are these books like going to be popular in the mainstream um if we go to fiction real quick so those are the top 10 there's some others mm-hmm. there's there's Anne Enright's the wren the wren 
Darren Bell's The Talk, which I was glad to see. That's a tremendous book, graphic mm-hmm. memoir, uh, I should say. Let's go to fiction, because that's where we tend to do most of our yeah. mutual reading and talk about on the show. A, good luck trying to figure out how many books are on these sublists. I think there are uh-huh. 20 fiction. They're not numbered. It's a slideshow. Yeah. Having to say, but having said that, what a performance by me on this top, this, this fiction <laughs> list. Right off the top, Age of Vice by Dipti Kapoor, which I talked about in January. You as did. really liking. You did. I remember. And I guess good taste is good taste. I don't know what to say. It just it translates it translates across time and space. A couple of things I was very glad to see. Company by Shannon Sanders, short story collection. Mm-hmm. I don't read that many. Mm-hmm. Pick that one out. We get to talk about the fraud. We get yep. to talk about. Uh, I have some questions for you. Mm-hmm. We get to talk I about read Heaven Greek and Gersh- You and we get to talk about Let Us Descend by Jesmyn mm-hmm. Ward. So I think knowing how many books there are, I'm pretty happy with my own. And then, of course, this other, the Eden by Paul Harding, which I, I guess at this point I'm probably the biggest champion of in North America. Yeah, they can send yeah, me a badge or something if they wanted to. I, they don't have to. You've It'd got your nice. customized Paul Harding tote yeah, bag, yeah, yeah. president of the fan club. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. The less said, the better for me at this point. But in terms of, given how many literary fiction novels there are, and let's be clear, mm-hmm, mo- mm-hmm. most of these are literary fiction. I guess some of them yeah. you could call upmarket if you squint your eyes. I feel like pretty good about my hit rate. I think five out of five to eight out of fifteen yeah. or twenty is pretty good. Yeah, I've done five as well, and then I have the Teju Cole. That's next know, queued for me. up. Yeah, so I'll end at six. If I get to the Ayana Mathis, the Unsettled, I might get to seven. I will get to that one as well. Yeah, but um, I, I think a pretty interesting list from there. It's really mm-hmm. you're going to dive into. Um, I guess what would be the next most interesting one for us? Nonfiction. Yeah, nonfiction, I think, is the next most interesting because they group um, autobiography and memoir into nonfiction as well, which is, I think, a weird choice. Like you've got the very serious nonfiction academic stuff, the the more commercial nonfiction, like Mm. the art thief. And then you also get, uh, you know, How to Say Babylon, which I was really glad to see on the list or Sarah Bakewell's Humanly Possible, which I know you really liked. And Oh, yeah. What a look first for first edition. edition. I think three yeah. interviewees on first edition show up on the nonfiction uh, list. Good job, Tastemaker, who programs that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there, um, there, from there, you get into more niche stuff, which we don't, yeah. you know, I, probably there's two of them on, on the rest of the list that we've talked about in some, mm-hmm. well, maybe not picture books or middle grade, but um, yeah, it's, it's worth checking out. Boy, do I wish it was easier to navigate. Just so you know, if you do look on desktop, a hot tip, if you're on one of the books on one of the list, there is a grayed out array of covers. Mm-hmm. You can click on them to jump to that title. Yeah. So if you want to, I don't know why you'd want to navigate that can, way, but I don't know why you'd do this at all. Right. You can just also click on list and see the whole thing rather than going through the slideshow. Yeah. So I guess the, I mean, there's been a few others that have started to come out yet. Um, maybe it's a deep dive post or something where I do like, here are the 10 best books of the year list. To pay attention to. Um, yeah, I think now that PW's is out, the next one that I care about is the New York Times list. I start. I care about Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Um, I think those are interesting mm. because yeah, those, those are, are interesting. those are trying to tell you something from the retailer's point of view, which I don't know what they're trying to tell me, but I feel like they're trying to tell me something. I like the I like the bookshop list because they usually go to indie booksellers there, which is always interesting. Yeah, beyond that, um, the Goodreads Choice Awards is. The regression to the mean yeah. Olympics, which again, it's helpful to know that to see if your head screwed on right about. You think Fourth Wing might win some stuff over there this year? <laughs> it's 
a great question. Is it going to take the top overall book just because most wing, people have read it? Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. not mad about it, but like that's just what it's going to be. I think our last sponsor break, and we'll talk about a couple of recent reads. I don't have a lot there, but a couple of things. Okay, Rebecca, what have you been reading recently? I mean, last week, my life was entirely yep. about Britney Spears. Let's talk to me. How long did it take you? Do you read it? Audio? What did you do? Yeah, I, I audioed it, and it was, okay. only, um, it was only five and a half hours long. I don't mm. do a ton of like listening time in my day because I don't yeah. have a commute, all that kind of stuff. I've heard it's so, one of those you find time for Britney. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was making time for Britney. Um, so I did get it down in about two and a half days. I think I had an hour left when Kelly mm. and I recorded last Thursday, and I finished it thursday night um cool. so that was a good experience michelle williams was, was a great choice um let us descend by jesmyn ward which we'll talk about next week but like wow jesmyn ward <laughs> um just i took a lot of deep breaths mm. and i you know maybe by next week we won't cry when we talk about it uh, and I'm i think about oprah halfway... softened us up with two yeah. long books that are pretty i mean let us descend is readable i don't want to make it sound impenetrable but it's um, bracing. It's heroin. It is. It's the, probably the closest in contemporary fiction to Toni Morrison vibes that I've encountered. Um, yeah, in terms of like just unflinching, we're yes. going to be enslavering for a while and it's not going to be feeling any kind of way but that. Mm-hmm, uh, most, right. I mean, again, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, and I'm about halfway through Adam Grant's new book, Hidden ah, Potential. Excellent. Yes. Let's so see. I'm enjoying it. What did I do? I finished Blackouts by Justin Torres. Okay. Uh, while I was traveling. What an unusual book. Um, okay. Packaging wise, structurally, the the ink color is sepia. Sepia. Oh. It's like brown, um, which is unusual to say the least. Hmm. It is interleaves with a lot of photographs that are meant to look like they're from. I need to do. I, now that I'm done, I want to do a little reading about it because I think it may be based on some true stuff. The setup is actually fairly simple. There, um, a younger man goes to visit an older, they're both gay men, who met while they, I believe, were institutionalized for being gay. Mm. And they knew each other for 18 days, but and time has separated them. And he, the younger man, I don't even know that we hear his name other than like the pet name that um, Juan, which is the older man, gives him. He's dying. I think we're supposed to understand it's from AIDS, though. Again, I'm reading on a plane, and also it's, it's very elliptical, and a lot is left unsaid. Anyway, but he's going to to visit him while he dies, and some of it is telling his story, but also he's passing on, Juan is passing on this document that he has discovered Mm. called Sex Variance in the American Population or something like that, right? That he discovered, who he was handed down to to someone who took under his wing, which was a kind of a self-published exploration of the variety of the gay experience in the United States and some larger in Puerto Rico and some other places that's mostly been blacked out by a censor of some kind, hence the titular blackout. And so it's about storytelling and gaps and identity and connection and inheritance and knowledge and death and loss and presence and documentation and storytelling. Um, I was pretty taken with it, hmm. but I'm using that word pretty carefully. I'm not sure. I, 
I'm not sure how to talk about it. it it's a it's a heck of a book to get in, get in, a, in an English class seminar for people to talk about. Okay. I think it would be a wonderful one for that. I don't think it, what you hear me saying there is I'm not sure what a hit will be on the the book club in Overland Park necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Though I would encourage if people are interested to go check it out. It might be super virtuosic. It also could be. It's hard to it's hard to wrap my head around, and that's part of it. Um, it's very, very, very interesting. Certainly worth a read. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that it went in a way I didn't expect, knowing what um, Torres has done in the mm-hmm. past. Fascinating document. Well, well worth, if, if you're using the Harding meter, well, well worth to be on short lists of things. Um, okay. For sure. I also then, uh, let's see, I listened to, uh, uh, oh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Did a re-listen of that, because the movie's oh, coming out. I mm-hmm. read it a million years ago. Um, but I heard the audiobook is especially great, and it is especially great. I've also read some and heard some reviews of the movie that suggest it's quite a bit different. So I wanted to reacquaint myself with the audiobook so I could do the Delta um, and, and remind myself what's different and not. Already I remember, just based on the trailers now that I've seen, positioning of people in foreground and background differently, um, which mm. I'm fascinated to, to discover once I can watch it over the three course, the course of three nights on Apple TV Plus as I fall asleep at the end of every hour and 15-minute installment that I'm going to break it into. Uh, then Ward. I'm into Ward now. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I've what I've done of late. I guess the other nugget... I'm trying to think of the other publishing nuggets. One is very specific, and I hadn't heard this. Leslie Jones's memoir, which I yeah. would like to get to at some point, which has a, a word in the middle of it that I can't say and keep our Apple clean rating. Um, I didn't realize this, but the print version is only like 250 pages oh, long, I think. Okay. The audio version is 17 hours long. What? Because she improvised and added stories as she was narrating the <laughs> audiobook. That's a nugget I got from listening <laughs> That's to incredible. Her. Yeah. And they had to go back through a legal thing, as you might imagine, because the kind of stories Leslie Jones was telling about people, <laughs> you want to make sure you're on safe legal ground. So you had to do that. And I wonder... I haven't seen anything about that. It seems like you could really sell a lot more copies of the audiobook that way because you're going to get stuff that you don't get in yeah. the Yeah, 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 yeah. So this was an audio pub. I mean, I guess you can figure out, but was we're talking with Hachette about, we're mm-hmm. just talking about some of the stuff that goes in the audio production and what can change and what doesn't and the narrator matters. And um, the person I was talking with said, that's quite a nugget. And the book is <laughs> out. so bonkers. It's, I I, it that. never would have occurred to me because I, and I said, I was like, I want to get to that, but often this is the way I do it. You know, I'm walking around pals and I think, okay, what do I want to see on audio? And I do a lot of my scouting based on how long the nonfiction is mm-hmm. because some of that nonfiction, I mean, some of the books can be very long, but 19 and a half hours of a nonfiction book, I really need to be into it. And I don't yes, know that there's a memoir a at this point that I need to be into. I did 14 hours with Patrick Stewart. And let's just say I was ready to hit the warp drive button about <laughs> halfway through that one. And I would have been completely gobsmacked based on my eyeball scouting of the Print version yeah. of that to see. I don't even know. Like, well, I mean, how long have I been listening to this? Um, and you know, I think I think we've said this before. I think maybe the Britney audiobook performed by Michelle Williams might be the definitive experience of that particular mm-hmm. title. I think so. Mm-hmm. Memoirs in general, narrated by the writer or a very very accomplished I narrator, I think is the I think the gold standard for something like that. They said I've also you know that comedy overperforms so. Memoir mm. comedies over index for audio, which makes a ton of sense um, to me. I got to tell you, we've been talking about you know the work from home stuff in publishing. This is just mm-hmm. me on a couple of days in the middle of October. There's no one in these offices. I mean, there are, but there aren't. Yeah. There even the hybrid days. There's, you know, some people are consolidating, but there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of empty desks 
out on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the middle of October, which was one of the biggest parts of the publishing season. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just something else to say. That romantic is coming. Um, you know, I think people are still trying to figure out what the post-COVID sales cycle is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know what? Are, you know what? Are we going to lose more in twenty twenty four over twenty twenty three in terms of unit volume? Um, not sure. Um, people are still uh, in. Tra- they're like like the the sirens, Odysseus sailing by. The lure of social video continues to sing. Um, there is a lot more paid influencer stuff happening than I understand because I'm not on those things. And I don't know. I think there's some problems in terms of disclosure on some of those things, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest with you. But they're dipping their toes, more than dipping their toes in, sometimes they've gotten all the way up to their, you know, past that point in your body when the cold water is like cold. <laughs> like they're, some of them are down there. They've made it past that particular point. Some of them are still dipping their toes in. Some, most of them, though, are very, they're not building out their own infrastructure. They're renting, not buying at this point, which that makes sense to me. Um, trying to think of what else. Yeah, sales, you know, sales for some really cratered in the spring and have started to come back over the summer. I can't imagine the Britney book and then Iron Flame and the the holiday season. There's some big titles coming out, so I hope they get the back there. Um there's not a whole lot more I can say publicly. But All the right. vibe was of retrenchment, I would say. Glad you know, to hear kind that. of the highs of COVID, take a little bit of the blibe over the last 18 months, consolidation, there's been some layoffs. Um you know, the Simon thing closed while I was gone. That was very much in the air when I was talking to people at Simon. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting to see. And there's been, I mean, there's, you can, t- in talking, you know, there's been some layoffs at some of these places, which we know. Yeah. Which we know. Well, so glad we to go. have you back. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Everyone out there, sh- shoot me an email, shoot us an email at uh, podcast at Check out the show notes, bookwright.com slash listen. Listen. Check out the Book Riot Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Links to all these things in the show notes. You can check out first edition. Go here to talk about November it books um, and see what's coming there. And Rebecca, we're going to talk to you in a few minutes about the the piles of wisdom we have accumulated. Uh, yes. Especially you I'll, have accumulated. I'll come in, down um, from high atop the mountain. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I bring you the wisdom of empty hands. Um, <laughs> feels like some sort of saying. Or I'm sure it is. Talk to you later. 